I'm Dr. Molly Ness, host of the End Book Deserts podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here, and today I'm talking with John Abrams. He is a professional magician and entertainer. He typically performs around 400 shows for schools a year, but COVID happened and canceled every one of those shows. He recovered by being creative and developing shows for the online world. We talk about this shift and discuss how teachers can do the same to help them create engaging online sessions for their kids. This is so cool. He also does a magic trick with me in the podcast, and it is so awesome. I still don't get how he did it, and I don't understand it, and it's so, just so amazing, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Lots to learn today. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Today I'm talking with John Abrams. According to John, it's always been my goal to help principals, teachers, and staff build healthy students at the elementary school level. My name is John Abrams. I've had some of the top school assemblies in the country, the bully game and random acts of character, performing around 400 shows a year. And if you go to amazingschoolassemblies.com, you can see all this type of stuff. We'll talk more about that later. On March 12th, 2020, I started receiving emails canceling shows. It continued for the next few days. All shows were canceled because of COVID. I lost around $100,000 this year alone. In April, I started teaching social skills to kids through magic and doing socially distanced shows. Not nearly as lucrative. I was sad and depressed for a couple of months, could barely get out of bed, and in July, my mom was nice enough to offer her house. I moved. On October 15th, I had an epiphany. This is it. Performing live, I can only affect students in the Southern California area, or a little tour here or there. But online, I can affect students all over the country, all over the world. <laughs> and I like this, because in English-speaking countries... <laughs> So, but none of my assemblies fit this new COVID world. All were built on content, certainly transferable, and student participation, not transferable. I spent the last 25 years figuring out how students could be involved on stage, and now none of that would work. I rebranded and immediately started working on a brand new STEM STEAM program, but not a stage version, a slick online version, content first. Entertainment next. I enlisted some of the top minds around the country to help create it. Now, with new assemblies on the horizon and teaching kids social skills through magic, I'm ready to help schools around the world. See schoolofastonishment.com. Teachers and principals can pivot too. Yes, COVID changed everything about how we teach, but we're smart. We can innovate and make sure our students flourish. John, thanks for joining me today and say hi to everyone. Hi, everyone. Who wrote that brilliant piece? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who. <laughs> Good stuff. The, you know, John, you know, you're a magician and, and you're an entertainer, and we're going to talk about all kinds of different types of magic that you work today. And uh, I even believe that you have some magic that you're going to perform on the show, and That's I can't what wait. That's I hear. <laughs> so it, it's, it's going to be cool. So, and, uh, so let's start by talking about what got you into magic. But before we go there, I got to ask this because sure. you have a cool bio. You have some neat things that, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, as an entertainer all, all across the time, we're, we're going to start here. Um, 
Can you tell me a little bit about one of the things you did in the past was you had a, uh, you had some sort of a show that was a tribute to 60s, band, uh, 60s girl bands. And yeah. uh, can you tell that story just a little bit? Sure, absolutely. Uh, my wife and I produced, uh, directed, and starred in a show called The Pastel 60s Rock and Roll Extravaganza. And it was uh, girls' 60s songs from 1961 to 1969. And since I'm not a girl of the 60s, um, I hosted it. So I hosted it as this nerdy guy, Eugene, with a little cowlick on his head and um, a, a crazy plaid jacket. And I'd dance around, do comedy and magic and all sorts of, of craziness. And we toured that around Southern California for about two or three years. Very cool. Very cool. The, uh, um, now, that's, this, is a, this is a neat progression towards uh, where you are today. So now another one I got to ask you about is... Sure. Uh, um, you were uh, on a show that was really popular at the time, and you were a character called uh, Banana Man. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, uh, so I read that there's an audition for To Tell the Truth. It's a TV show called To Tell the Truth. And the idea of the show is that there's one person who does a real career, and then there's two people that are pretending to do that career. And so I go to the audition and I don't know what career they're talking about. So I'm on my way to a magic show. I do a magic show with live animals. That's one of the things that I do. And I had with me a little sugar glider. Now a sugar glider is a little flying squirrel with those big giant eyes. So I go to the audition. I couldn't leave the, the, the flying squirrel in the car. So I brought him with me to the audition. So I go do the audition and I have all this crazy energy and things. So, so they hire me. So they hire me and they say, go to the set certain day, certain time, whatever. Uh, I show up at the set and they say, all right, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna be the banana man. <laughs> I said, what are you, the banana man? And they, they go, they, they say, okay, here's a couple of different suits. So the real banana man who has a banana museum in Pasadena, he has a, a suit, a yellow suit, of course. <laughs> nice. And he has all sorts of great sayings like, like um, uh, his wife, drives a BMW banana mechanical something or other. I forget exactly what it is, but he had all these crazy sayings. So anyway, they had two different suits. One was a giant banana suit that you've seen on many TV shows. <laughs> and one was just a suit with big, a big giant collar that kind of looked, looked like an open banana. And nice. that was the, the, the one that looked like the banana didn't fit me. It was too small. And so I couldn't use that one. That was the one that they wanted me in originally. And so then they put me in the one with the big giant collar. And I think you can still look that up on YouTube. So I pretended to be the banana man. Nice. Nice. <laughs> awesome. That's what a, that's an interesting part of your bio right there. The, the stand in for the banana man. So nice. Yeah, it was a, it's a silly part. Yeah, I'd look up all sorts of banana facts. So now ask me anything about bananas, plantains. I know everything about bananas. That's cool. So that's what you did was they asked you questions about bananas. Exactly. Yeah, it was um, the, the, there were three judges. One was Paula Poundstone, who used to be a famous uh, comedian. Uh, one was the guy from the nanny. I forget his name. Oh, yeah. Uh, and one, uh, the host, I think, was John O'Hurley uh, from Seinfeld. So those were the, the, the people that asked. Oh, oh, and Meshach Taylor. Remember Meshach Taylor? Yes, I do. From, from Designing, Designing Women, I Designing think. Designing Women. Uh, right. Uh, they were the three judges, and they'd ask us questions, and then, then they'd vote at the end to see who was the real banana man. And I ended up getting two votes, two out of the three. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> 
just and and the next one I'm going to ask you about is you got paid to hang out with models and you know in a Virginia Slims commercial right this is true okay about 30 years ago when it was legal to put uh, uh, cigarettes on TV as commercials, I did a commercial for Virginia Slims. And I was hired as an actor. I had two or three lines uh, originally. And then they hired three models that were paid, and I'll never forget this, $10,000 a day for a three-day shoot. And uh, all my lines were cut out. All it was was me smiling at the camera. That was it. That was the whole thing when I finally saw the whole thing. Yeah. That, that's, actually, I have another story about that. It was the first time. I'll never forget this either. Uh, it was the first time ever. Uh, okay. So I, I get dressed in my nice period suit. And then I put on my shoes. And we do the shoot for the day. And the following day, a lady runs up to me right before, uh, right before I'm on, right before I put on my outfit. And she says, oh, let me see your shoes. And I said, okay. So she takes the, the, what is the stinky pad in it? What's the, the, um, the liner, the, the liner, whatever the little pad is on the inside of the shoe. She takes out the old one from yesterday and she puts in a new one for today. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so there, yeah, there was so much money going this one minute commercial. It was uh, directed by the, uh, director of photography of Apocalypse Now, a guy named Vilos Zygmond. Oh so, so much money was put into that. And all there was, was me smiling at the camera. Nice, nice. <laughs> awesome. You definitely had a different career path, haven't you? The, uh, um, and, and then I got to, I got to say this. So you were Charlie Chaplin for a Japan TV situation. Yeah. And I've seen the pictures. You look awesome. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, the Charlie Chaplin thing kind of, kind of came unexpectedly. So one day I'm at home and I get a call from a good friend named Jim. He's a, he's a good friend of mine. I did a lot of theater with. And he says, John, John. He goes, I'm doing a short film playing Harold Lloyd. And I was talking to the director and they need a Charlie Chaplin. And I'm like 18 or 19, maybe 20 at the time. And he said, I told him you do it. <laughs> and I that said, friends, oh, nice. okay. <laughs> And I had never done Charlie Chaplin in my life. I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. So about an hour later, I get a call from the director. And the, direct, the director says, John, I hear you do an awesome Charlie Chaplin. And I said, oh, yeah, I do it all the time. Sure I do. So I ran out and I got all the makeup and I watched all the movies and, and I put on the makeup and, and I showed up on set and uh, started doing Charlie Chaplin in a short film. And then after that, I was hired. A lot of people saw that. And I was hired for a lot of different things, including his biography for Japan. That's awesome. That's so cool how it happened. Uh, his friend says, yeah, he'll do it. <laughs> yeah, he'll do it. No, no problem. Piece of cake. <laughs> nice. Awesome. That's cool. Well, thanks for telling the stories. I, that's, that's so cool. I, I was reading all that stuff and I said, we got to go here. We got to talk about this stuff. So nice. Uh, so, uh, uh, so let's, let's go back to my original question. Uh, so John, what got you interested in magic? I mean, uh, you know, what, I mean, you were, a were you a fan as a kid or did it develop out of a desire to be an entertainer or something else? No, actually completely different. I didn't do a magic show till I was 29 years old. Here's what happened. Um, we were hanging out at home and my wife invites an old friend to the house who happens to be a magician. And he does a, a magic 
trick called card on the ceiling. And if you're a magician, you know what that is. Basically, here's how it works. Uh, the magician says, take a card. You take a card, you put your, and the magician says, write your name on it. You write your name on it. The magician mixes it up into the cards and then puts a rubber band around it and throws it up to the roof. And then all the cards come flying down, except for one card. One card is on the ceiling. Nice. And it's the card that, the, that I, that I signed. So I looked at it, I was so shocked and I was so amazed. I was like, wow, that's really, really cool. Well, it turns out this magician that travels all around the world doing live tigers and, and dancing girls and, and corporate event, doing the whole thing, uh, his, his stage assistant, uh, they had just had a parting of the ways. So he had heard that I had some stage experience. So he says, would you like to go with me on tour and, and be my stage assistant? And I'm like, well, yeah. Wow. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> so we ended up flying around the United States. Uh, well, the Western United States in his own plane. He was actually a pilot. So we'd, we'd fly in his own plane and go to places like Arizona and, and Nevada and, and Northern California, different places like that. Very I do cool. all sorts of corporate events. Really neat. So I got interested in magic that way by watching him over and over and over. That's cool. I bet that was a, a neat experience to be, to be watching and participating and seeing, you know, probably thinking about, how, how would I do this? <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty cool. Well, here's a little secret for you. Anytime that you see a live tiger or some huge animal, and if the magician doesn't own them, like Siegfried and Roy used to own their animals, if the, the magician doesn't own them, they actually rent tigers and illusions for their shows and the magician, the magician stands and says, ta-da, whereas everybody on the stage is pulling the strings and pushing the buttons and, and doing all this stuff. Nice. <laughs> and the magician takes a bow and says, thank you. <laughs> nice, nice. I like that. Yeah. I, I need to rent a tar tiger and all the people that go with it sometimes. That's, yeah. I like that. Uh, so as someone who has all, I've always loved magic. I think mm -hmm. I own just about every annoying magic set that ever existed. You know, the magic hat, the magic, you know, all this, all this stuff that existed in the seventies as a kid sure. and into the eighties. And, uh, um, and I was always trying to figure out, cause I, I'm a big fan of, uh, slapstick too. So I've always loved the comedians that things don't always just work out right for them when they're magic tricks. And, uh, but they always create something else. <laughs> and, and, and so I was, you know, I did a lot of trying to imitate that stuff. I hung out at Disney World. Disney World used to have this awesome magic shop in down on um, Main Street. And they used to actually have performers who would come in there at certain times and they would do tricks or they would demonstrate different tricks that people were thinking about buying and stuff like right. that, which is really cool. And, uh, and, you know, it's funny. Some of that stuff is still stuck with me. In those days, you could buy those really cool masks that were real famous today. You can get a lot of money for them if you can find them. I forget the name of that guy who made all those masks famous. But, they, uh, but you know, one of the... Yeah, I bought fake rocks. I bought, you know, all kinds of weird card decks. My favorite one that I still have is the, the card deck that's crooked, and it actually is. It's not just oh, yeah. the cards aren't straight. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good stuff. But, uh, you know, and I'm a big fan of so many professional magicians. What do you like most about working with your, your magic and working with audiences, especially of kids? Well, I, I think everything we have to talk about today, uh, we're going to talk about two different worlds. There was the world where I was doing tons of live shows. So when you do magic 
live, whether it's for a huge audience or a small group of people, you know, the shock and amazement, the laughing, the feedback you get immediately from whether it's a group of people or a small group of people uh, is fantastic. It's something that energizes me. It's something that's exciting to me. Uh, even better, I think, than just performing because you're getting that immediate feedback, you're getting the, imme the immediate uh, astonishment from their faces. And then we get into the, to the COVID world and now we're doing everything online. And it's a little bizarre because when we do things online, we're not getting that immediate feedback. <clears throat> you do a magic trick that I may think is amazing, but uh, all the kids or all the people that I'm doing this for are muted. So this is what I hear. <laughs> I can't imagine. Jeez. That's it. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> not even, so not even crickets. Fan, fantastic and amazing. There's, um, yeah, one trick. I make a, uh, one trick in one of my assemblies, my, my Steam assembly, uh, uh, where I make a cell phone appear magically. And uh, I've done that before live, and I hear a, <gasps> or a, or a laugh, or a giggle, or, oh, my gosh, how did he do that? And online, it sounds like this. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hey, I gotta ask this because how do you how do you pump yourself up for silence? Oh, <laughs> all I do is picture in my mind the satisfaction that people are getting watching the show. That's all I can do. That's, um, that's cool because that's just I, I can imagine what that's like. It's got a, so much different. So it much is. Different. It, it's so, so different. So let's go there for a little bit. You know, before 2020 changed our lives, <laughs> yeah. um, talk a little bit about the school assemblies that you would often be hired to perform. You had some really cool titles there and such they bring you out to, to perform. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I did um, between three and 400 shows every year. And the assemblies that I do are called, well, the main ones are called the bully game where I teach bully prevention to kids through magic and then random acts of character where I teach character to kids uh, through magic. And they were, they were super successful, very, very successful shows. And then of course, you know, COVID hit and that all changed. So I've had to build everything, just like the bio says, just like when you read at the very beginning, I had to build everything up from, the, from square one. And that had to be rough. I, I, but before we leave that, that era, because because I'm, I'm hopeful that eventually we are going to have in-person school assemblies again. Why do you think the schools should have them? Why do you think they should have assemblies? Well, it's funny. Yeah, I really admire the teachers because teachers are the ones that, that are there with the kids every single day, six hours, seven hours a day, every single day teaching, you know, math, reading, writing, arithmetic, all of those things. Uh, but when you have an assembly, uh, it's something very different than the kids are used to. So they get excited about doing it. Uh, so they look forward to, to seeing assembly. That, 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 that's one reason. Uh, the second reason is that an assembly entertainer should be able to teach in a different way than the teachers are. For example, I do magic. It's one of the things that I do. There are other entertainers that do juggling and bubbles and those different things. And if they pair them with educational concepts, then the kids are learning in a completely different way. They're not learning from a teacher who's standing up there and teaching every day. They're learning from uh, somebody who is vibrant and crazy. And I mean, maybe the teachers are vibrant and crazy too. I don't know. <laughs> but they're learning with, with a crazy art form that pairs the concepts with the art form. So by the end, the teachers should be able to say, oh yeah, remember when he made that cell phone appear magically and he was talking about technology? Let's talk about that further. So they can use that as a springboard 
to teach the concepts that they want to teach. That's cool. You know, it's funny um, because just as I'm a former high school history teacher, I'm a former high school assistant principal and, uh, and principal. And, uh, you know, there are forces that uh, fight against you with assemblies. I'm sure. <laughs> and, and, they, and they say things like, really? And you go, yeah, because there are good reasons to have assemblies like just you described. I mean, you know, it's funny. And sometimes it makes an emphasis that, you know, you, that you, you, kids will never forget. I, I've, to this day, I mean, in seventh grade, I'll never forget. I, there was a guy there who supposedly was a NASA scientist. I grew up in Florida. I'm not, I don't know whether he was really a NASA scientist, but he, he did all kinds of cool experiments and they introduced you to a robot that in those days was a really big deal because yeah. you told it, it would, it would talk with you and you told it, you programmed, he taught you how they programmed it to make the words and that you had to teach it how to say vowels. But oh, the big cool. the thing I always remember the most out of his show was that he always ended it by bringing a couple of people onto the stage, kids onto the stage. And they supposedly would do the combination wrong, how he told them to do, Oh, you did it wrong. And all this stuff would be flying all over the place, making this huge mess. And, you know, and it was a cool ending, but, and it's, See, and, and you remember that from the, to this day and, yes. and high school was, a couple years ago for you, right? Yeah, just a few. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but do you remember that one teacher that taught you the letter L? No, no, <laughs> no. Of course not. But you remember this robot flying, and that's one of the reasons that assemblies are cool. Uh, one of the reasons that I do what I do for a living is I saw an entertainer uh, come in and do an assembly in my senior year of high school, and it made such a huge impression on me that I decided to kind of do it for a living. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. You just never know. So, so one of the things, and I think it kind of got there a little bit, but you know, can you talk a little bit more about teachers and staff just making the assemblies more successful for students? I mean, because there's that next step that you kind of got, got to there just a little bit. And I think that next step is what really would make a principal really defend the idea of having those. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I have to preface this by saying there are bad assemblies. <laughs> Yes, and I yes, know a lot are. of teachers. Yeah, I know a lot of teachers have experienced that, and they've seen really bad assemblies, and and they're thinking, oh, well, this guy that's coming up on bullying or character or steam, it's going to be horrible too. So they they grade papers or they're on their cell phone or or whatever, and that doesn't help us at all. Right. <laughs> so when you get a good assembly, one that actually has educational concepts, the way a teacher can help are a few different ways. First they can take some of the follow-up material. A, a good entertainer, if they have a good assembly, they have good follow-up material that the teachers can use to, teach, to help teach the concepts of the assembly. Because the truth of the matter is 45 minutes in a school, no matter how good of an entertainer you are, it's not gonna make that huge of a difference. But the 45 minutes plus the teachers following it up plus the principal speaking the same language. Those are the things that are going to make a difference. So, uh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just say that's cool advice because that's awesome because you're right on the money with that. No, no, it's great. And, and I'm always open to questions from teachers or principals about the concepts that I'm teaching. So I think the best way for teachers to help is to watch the assembly, make notes, teach the lessons that the assembly is teaching if it is an educational assembly. Uh, and those are the things they can use to facilitate it. I, I got to tell you, as an entertainer, there's nothing worse than looking out at the audience and all the kids are watching the show and then there's a couple of teachers on their phone. Right. And not only do I see that, but the kids see that too. Yeah. And so guess what? Teachers say, oh, stay off your phone. Don't be on your phone in class. You got to pay attention to me in class. 
yet during the assembly, something that's supposedly important, um, they're sitting there on the phones and that's what the kids see. So the, the, the best way to make it easy for us is ask questions. Um, use the concepts that we use. Uh, use the following up material. I love that. Love that advice. Good stuff. And, and stay off their phones. You know, it's not going to be that long. <laughs> stay off your phones. <laughs> <laughs> so good stuff. So, so, so John, how did COVID change your business? And could you introduce us to your STEM and STEAM program as we talk about this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's two completely different questions. I'll answer the first one uh, first. COVID, on March 10th, um, I was out to sushi with a friend. I've told this story before on other podcasts. I'm sure you might have heard it. Um, I was out to sushi and we looked around the restaurant and it, and it was normally packed and it was about half packed. And we, we heard rumblings of this COVID-19 thing, but didn't know it would be serious. So I got back to my office and I had at the time 60 or 70 shows already booked, different schools and libraries and things. And there were about 10 cancellations email, 10, 10 email cancellations. And I thought, Oh, Oh, this COVID thing, it might be more serious. And then the next couple of days I had all of my shows canceled. So I went from doing three or 400 shows a year to zero. Wow. And I laid in bed. I was used to waking up every morning at five in the morning, you know, jumping in the car, loading up my equipment, going to a school, inspiring kids, inspiring teachers, uh, to laying in bed, depressed and sad, tough to get out of bed, um, feeling sorry for myself with no, no end in sight. We had no idea this COVID-19 thing. When it first hit, I thought, well, maybe, maybe a month, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a month. And here it is close to the end of the year. And it's worse than it ever has been. So, uh, so I had to pivot. We had to do something. So after a month of feeling sorry for myself, I got out of bed and said, I better do something about this. <laughs> so all of us enter- entertainers started talking. We tr- started trying to figure out how to go about uh, doing social distance shows, online shows, all those different things. So on October 15th, when I woke up and finally, like you said at the very beginning, woke up and said, well, not only now can I affect Southern California, I can affect people all over the world, kids all over the world. And I kind of had an epiphany. So I started creating online shows. Instead of converting my stage show to, a, to an online show, which I, I, don't, I don't think works, um, because back then, if you were to do a stage show, you would be compared to other stage shows. But now kids are used to seeing things on TV, on YouTube, commercials. They're used to seeing everything in this small box that you and I are looking at each other in. So instead of converting my stage show, which is a big show, lots of fun, craziness, um, I've created a STEAM STEM show uh, that fits in this little box from the bottom up. That's awesome. And it's, it's cool that I, I, just as a side note, I can't imagine, you know, well, I can't imagine the overwhelming, just feeling the world on your shoulders type thing when everything's gone and you're like, what the heck am I going to do now? Oh yeah. It was, it was overwhelming and, and it still is kind of overwhelming even with, with all the new things in the, in the pike. Um, not only do I have that show, but I, I just created a show called power words. I don't think I've even told you about that one. No, it's no, called, I don't know about it's that. It's called power words. It's the bully prevention show without the word bully. 
So it uses words like, I can, thank you, you're welcome. It teaches kids all of those things, elementary kids, those things. Uh, so it's the bully prevention thing without, without the, uh, the word bully. It's very, very cool. Very um, cool. But what we've had to do is, is create slick shows that are TV friendly or YouTube friendly, that look more like a well-produced show. As opposed to a stage show, well-produced stage show, but a stage show is a stage show. A TV show is a TV show. Uh, so the STEM show, when I started putting that together, uh, I belong to a group that has mm, maybe 75 other magicians that teach magic and social skills. And they're some of the best magicians in the world. So we had a lot of conversations when I was building this STEAM show, you know, science, technology, engineering, art, math, you know. Uh, and I ended up enlisting three of my friends to do little notes during the STEAM show. One of them is Adam Shire, who you probably don't know, but he's the co-inventor of Siri. You know oh. Siri, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. So he does a little note during my assembly. Uh, I have a, a little 30, uh, maybe 45 second or 50 second video of Adam Shire doing a little video for all the kids. Uh, Steve Trash, who was on the, the forefront of the um, conservation movement from the very beginning, professional magician. And he has his own science TV show on PBS called Steve Trash Science. <laughs> and then I also enlisted um, Mario the Maker, Mario Machete. Uh, yeah, Mario, you, you know who that is. Yes, yes. <laughs> You've listened to his podcast, yes, or my podcast. It, your him. podcast interviewing him, yes. Yeah, yeah. And he has a web show called What If Kids Ruled the World? So he originally started with uh, doing engineering, and he's a professional magician, and he decided to combine the two uh, for his shows. <clears throat> so he talks about engineering. So I enlisted these three guys to do videos during my show. So we do, we do some magic, introduce science, technology, engineering, and then these guys have little videos talking about them too. Uh, it's, it's an all-inclusive show. It's really, really fun. It has magic. It's, it's crazy. That is so cool. And, yeah, and, and so how did, I mean, how do they go about making this happen? Because, you know, one of the, I mean, I just, I mean, you know, once, how do they go about scheduling you through this? I mean, to, to do something like that. Well, all, some, all someone does is goes to my website, schoolofastonishment.com, and they can shoot me out an email, uh, or there's a little contact form. They can fill it out, and if I'm available, I'll come. You know, the nice thing about online, uh, where it's a little different than uh, booking live shows, when you were booking live shows, it had to be on that Tuesday at 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock. That's the spot we have, whereas virtually, you can say, well, I'm booked up that Tuesday, they can do Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. They're looking for content. That's wild. That's cool. So it's much easier to schedule. I can imagine. So, you know, let's, let's shift this. To, and by the way, I got to say, I got to say this, because this, this keeps popping through my brain. You know, when I was a little kid, there were some kids that once in a while, and, and sometimes I have to believe, believe that through my brain, the same thing went, which is I watch TV, which it means that at some point in our world, everybody was black and white. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there's, oh, that's funny. You know, <laughs> yeah. True. So I wonder, wonder if there's any little kids out there going, everybody's about this big. <laughs> you know. <what> I'm <laughs> yeah, I wonder about the kids who 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 um, people that have little kids now. Yeah, they're all doing distance learning right now, and they're thinking everybody is this size, or maybe maybe even phone size. <laughs> exactly, phone size. You know, it's like wow, check this. I'm a where giant. These little people live. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. You know, so, sorry, that just kept flying through my head as you're talking. So, 
I probably should have said it out loud. <laughs> I never thought of that. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, uh, so let's talk a little bit about, let's, you, you got some advice here. What are a couple of ways teachers can take advantage of this COVID crisis and what they do? Oh, oh sure. Uh, a lot of teachers now are doing the distance learning thing. And uh, a lot of teachers are overwhelmed by the distance learning thing because you have to learn the platforms and, and then you have to bring, you have to figure out how to put everything in this little box, how to teach through the little box. Um, so what I said, there's a, there's a few things that I suggest. The first thing is go, th if you're teaching on Zoom, Google Meet, any of those, those platforms, any platform you decide, uh, look in their settings. Here's why. There's tons of settings that you can use to your advantage when you're teaching a class. For example, I just did a, uh, an assembly for, two assemblies for 300 kids each. And as you can imagine, if the chat is open, and the mute is not on, that can get kind of crazy. Yeah. So what I did right beforehand is I went through all the settings of, we did it on Zoom, uh, went through all the settings of Zoom. So when they chatted, they only chatted to me, didn't chat to each other. None of them could, chat, could see each other's chat. I also muted all. Now, have you ever been in a classroom and kids yell out <laughs> or get fidgety or say something that interrupts you? Well, guess what? We have a mute all. Nice, nice. <laughs> we have a mute all that can mute all the kids and nobody can unmute. Or there's an option that the kids can unmute themselves. So we can train them, which most of you have, I've seen throughout the, the, the times, the, the assemblies that I've seen, uh, most kids mute themselves when they first go on, but there's an option where they can't mute themselves. So what I'm saying is there are a number of different options that you can use according to what you like in your classroom, according to if, if you wanna connect with them, you can open up the mute and, and, and the text, you can do it on the fly. So if you just want them to chat to you personally, you can uh, use that function. If you want them to chat to each other, you can use that function. You can have meeting rooms where kids uh, meet in groups of three, four, five, at a time and do little projects. So there's all sorts of technical things that we can use that we're not using, that we can go through and we can make our plan by using all of these options. Okay, that's one. The second piece of advice, and even before I give you the second piece of advice, um, what I've done is I've collected all a bunch of these and I have a free, free report for you guys, for anybody listening to this, you can go on my uh, website, schoolofastonishment.com and get a free report called five ways your school can take advantage of COVID. And, and now it's six, by the way. Every nice. time somebody writes something in, <laughs> I, I add it to the list. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So maybe by the time you hear this, it'll be like 22 <laughs> ways nice. you can take it. In. All right, so here's the second one. Um, and this is something I've actually taken advantage of. Uh, there are tons of Facebook groups, different groups that you can join. I'm sure there's tons of teachers groups. I know there's a lot of magicians groups. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I belong to a Facebook group uh, that helps me along. And here's what happens. On that Facebook group or, or whatever teacher group you belong to, uh, you, can, you can have questions of obstacles, of, of technical obstacles that you may run into, emotional obstacles that you can, may run into. For example, uh, I had a kid in my magic class that was holding up the rest of the class. <clears throat> we'd be ready to go on to the next step of the magic trick. And he would say, oh, could you start that over again? And so it holds up the entire class. And I didn't know what to do. 
because I had never experienced that before. So I go to my Facebook group and I said, here's what I have. And I explained the situation and I had five different responses. And I looked at the five different responses and I will warn you, you're going to get bad responses. <laughs> Of course, of course. Because <laughs> there are teachers, there are teachers just like magicians that love to give you great advice. Yes. And there are people that just like to give advice for the sake of giving advice. Yes. Uh, but anyway, there were five different uh, solutions to my problem. And I looked at the five different solutions and I picked one of them and I did them the following week and it worked like a charm. That's awesome. I, I, I love what I love your little, uh, you know, that, that's that little uh, asterisk that goes at the bottom of your thing that says warning. <laughs> you yeah. do this at home. Yeah. Um, you might get bad warning. advice. So <laughs> you have to follow your heart. You have to read that advice and throw some of it out. Yeah. Throw some of it out. Some of it's not good. That's cool. I love, I like that advice. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. The, uh, I mean, that's because that is, that's a, you know, that's a very typical thing <laughs> that you have a kid who's not on time or doing whatever. And, uh, and how do you solve that? So I, I got a lot of teachers that are going to be going, where was that article again that he has? And uh, <laughs> yeah. we're going to have a link to it in the show notes. So <laughs> Okay, schoolofastonishment.com. And, it, and it's, on the, it's on the free stuff page. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, so can you share some ideas about uh, what you've come up with that uh, you know, help teachers keep students engaged in this oh. TV land? Yeah, um, <clears throat> this is another thing that I've talked over with a bunch of other uh, uh, magician teachers. Um, <clears throat> I guess you're all magician teachers, aren't you? <laughs> In a way. Yes. And one of the things that we do, and I know teachers can't do this every day, but you can set aside either one day or one hour, and it's really not going to interrupt your, your, your teaching flow. Um, we play games with the kids is one of the things that we do. And, 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 and we're silly when we play, play some of these games. Now, here are some of the games you can play. Well, first, even before I get into the games that we play, <clears throat> I have back here, and I know I can see you here and you can see me, but I know a lot of people are listening to this. What I have <clears throat> is I have a bunch of crazy props back here to keep the kids' attention. Cool. And online, this thing that I'm showing Steve here is this frame that has glass in it that makes my head gigantic <laughs> and now if you're doing it online you can have props like this here's another one here's a big mega nice. megaphone that's shaped like lips nice. now if the kids aren't paying attention i will call them out one hey billy and i'll <laughs> grab this thing that looks like lips and all of a sudden it gets Billy's attention. If Billy is looking the other way and you, you look all crazy with these giant lips on this, this big megaphone, you immediately get their attention. Okay, that's one way, is by grabbing a couple, especially because we're in this frame this big, it's maybe something you can't do live, but you could certainly do it online. <clears throat> the second thing is to, to use games. And here's what I mean by that. And I'm talking about educational games, things that you can fit into your lesson for that day. Now, one of the things, there, there's a lot of games that we, we play. One of them is bring your animal to school day. Now, we can't do this live, but online, <laughs> right. someone can show their dog or their cat or their snake. And if they don't have an animal, we have them show a picture of an animal that they would love to have. We're talking about lions, tigers, nice. elephants. Uh, so just as an idea, if teachers are teaching, I don't know, life sciences you know you can introduce that by playing those animal games you know show your animal for the day and kids love that here's another one um well i'll teach you this one 
<laughs> this is something we magicians do. It has absolutely nothing to do with teaching, but I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> it's called the uh game. And this is a game specifically made for people presenting themselves. So you know how when you're talking about yourself or on this podcast, you'll hear me or you occasionally say, uh, let's see, uh, I was born in, uh, <clears throat> so what we do is we put 30 seconds in the clock and a kid has to tell us about themselves for 30 seconds without saying the word, uh, nice. <laughs> so they say, hi, my name is John Abrams. I do bully prevention assemblies and character. And they have to last the entire 30 seconds with that. It's called the, uh, game. I like that. So you can customize these games for whatever lesson you're teaching. I'll give you, give you one more. Um, Oh yeah, here's one more. <clears throat> this is called scavenger hunt. And you guys are all familiar with the scavenger hunt. You know what a scavenger hunt is, right? Yes. So one of the things we like to do as magicians is we'll say, okay, here's the scavenger hunt. You need to run and find a rope because it's a magical thing. Uh, you have one minute on the count of three. Ready, one, two, three, go. And everybody leaves their, their camera. They run around their house. And the parents see them running around the house. So the, the parents are exciting that they're getting off the computer for two seconds. And they're running around the house. And they bring you know, ropes, string, uh, the thread. <laughs> let them be creative. Uh, so the whole point of that is let them play games and be silly and goofy while you're teaching the lesson. And that's how to keep them engaged and coming back for more. If they know that Thursday you're going to be playing those games, guess who's going to show up on Thursday? Everybody. You got that right. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That is very cool. Well, you know, I, I love that. The, the great advice. Great advice. You know, and, and all that's about planning. I mean, that's, you know, planning their lessons and figuring out how to, how to put some of that stuff in there to, to create that engagement. I love that advice. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, yeah. And if you let them use their imaginations, this is a rope. This is a little bitty rope for an ant. Okay. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and as a teacher, you, you say, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> exactly. I like that. I like that. Oh, good stuff. So, all right. So uh, John, you know, one of the things that uh, uh, I, I think there's just about everyone who's ever watched a magician, wants to pull a rabbit out of a hat or, you know, do something that's really cool. And you have a really cool school. But by the way, I, you can tell the cartoons I grew up on. If you ever watch Rocky and Bullwinkle, hey, Rocky, watch me pull a, bull out, a rabbit out of my hat. Anyway. Watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so tell us about your school of astonishment. There's cool stuff they can learn there. Sure. Uh, school of Astonishment is generally for kids, but if teachers are interested too, I will make a special class just for teachers. Nice. <laughs> Here's what it is. Um, my, well, it was created by, uh, well, let me go back. Uh, I signed up for something called Discover Magic, uh, where we teach magic to kids. And this program was developed by a guy named Michael Amar, who's the, the top magic teacher in all of the world. And his idea was that we would teach not just magic, but we would teach the eight traits of a true magician first. Things like respect, creativity, preparedness, and teach those first and have magic as a, um, as, as, as a side note, as opposed to most teachers, most magic teachers teach magic first, and they say, oh, well, your, your, your kids will learn respect and eye contact and all of those types of things. Uh, so, so the first part is respect. And then the magic 
comes along next to it. And we teach amazing magic tricks. Uh, the way the course is put together, it's really, really cool. We have four different wand classes, four different wand courses, kind of like karate. You know, there's a purple wand course, there's a blue wand course, nice. there's an orange wand course. And so what kids do is they, they go through the eight weeks of a purple wand course, for example, which I have another one starting in January, by the way. And they learn all sorts of magic tricks. They learn uh, one magic trick from me that they get a professional magic trick. Then they learn one more magic trick from me, but not how to do it. And then I point them towards our video vault that shows them how to do the magic tricks plus bonus tricks. Cool. So every day they're learning two or three or four tricks. And by the end of one course, they've learned 24 tricks. They've learned how to be respectful, creative. They've learned all of these, how to be giving. They've learned all of these things through magic. And then they sign up for the next course. <laughs> That's, That's kind of how it works. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I'll, I'll make sure I have that link in there as well. So please. Very cool. Uh, now, how about we take a pause here for just a minute because we're getting closer to, to wrapping up. And I understand that, uh, you know, you made me, uh, you sent me a package in the mail. You got a magic trick you want to do. And uh, um, you told me I could not open the package. So I, I have this box that I haven't been able to open. I've been telling everybody, I have no clue what's inside this box. I'm not allowed to open it. So, hey, do, you have the, do you have that handy? Yes, I do. Okay. Well, tell, tell the listeners what that looks like, what it is. All right. Well, it's a, it's a United States postal service box it says priority mail and on it a big a big school of astonishment uh, sticker that says do not open until john abrams interview and here we are yes. okay let's do it do you have a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen and a calculator i have a piece of i have a piece of paper and i show him my pencil that's nice i have a pencil <laughs> <laughs> and i have a piece of paper which is right here and i have my trusty phone, which has a calculator. <laughs> okay, get it ready. Okay, here's what we're going to do. What I want you to do, and don't, uh, by the way, did we arrange this beforehand at all? Nope. No, we did okay. not. And Okay, when you hear this, you'll realize that too. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your pencil and write down, think of any three-digit number. And, and we're talking about like, like 758, 297, any three-digit number. Go ahead and write it down. And don't show it to me. <laughs> okay. Got it. Okay, you, you have a three-digit number written down. Yes. Perfect. All right, to make this even more random, what we're going to do is we're going to reverse that number. So if your number was one, two, three, it'll now be three, two, one. So go ahead and reverse that number. Got it. So now, you, so now you have two numbers written down. You have the original number, right? Correct. And then you have a, a number that is the reverse of that. Correct. So now you have two numbers. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the, the big number, the, the highest number, and subtract out the little number. Right now, my kids would be making <laughs> I told you there'd be a little bit of math. <laughs> yes. Kid, my kids would be going, Dad, you don't need the calculator for this. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. These students that are watching this, they're, they're, they're going through this process in their head, too. Yes. <laughs> All right. Now you have a sum, right? Correct. And that sum is three, digit, three digits? Correct. Perfect. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. Take that sum, and to make this even more random, you're gonna take that sum and reverse that. For example, if your sum is one, two, three, you, you, your other number is three, two, one. Okay. So now you have the sum, and then you have the reverse of that sum, right? Correct. Perfect. Now add those two together. Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> I know. This is the last calculation. This is it. 
<laughs> and don't tell me the number that you come up with. Got it. Okay. Okay. So now you have a, another sum. Correct. You have the sum. You, you have the sum of those two. Yes. All right. Open the package. <laughs> Tiger's not going to jump out of here, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. No tiger. No confetti. No, no explosions. No nothing. <laughs> go ahead and open it up. And when you're opening it up, go ahead and tell the listeners what's in there. <laughs> I take it you're opening it. Yeah, I, I see that you're opening it. Okay, what's in oh, there? Yes. I, I'm opening the box. Sorry, I should show you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the box is... This is wait, this is audio, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nobody can see what I'm doing. Okay. Oh, oh my gosh. So what's in this box? <laughs> I don't, you tell me. Oh, this is cool. Okay, so what do you want to know first? <laughs> I don't know. Tell, tell us what you see in there. Okay, there's an envelope that says prediction. Okay, hold on to that. Don't All right. open that yet. There is a, uh, and then there's a book that is Stephen King's It. Okay, Stephen King's It. And how many, does that have, is it thick? Is it thin? Oh, it's very thick. It's very mm. thick. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, Stephen King's It. And that was, that's about, that's about those clowns. Now, here's a little bit of trivia for you. There were two movies made from, from that book, It. Yes. One in, I don't know, it was, it was it, was it 2000s, 1990s? Uh, I think it's in and the 90s. Then, yeah, 1990s with uh, Tim Curry as yes. the clown, right? Yes. And then there was one made recently, and both times those were made, clowns businesses took a dive. Oh, my gosh. I can imagine. Because clowns people were scared children. of clowns. Not a good yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you have a book. You have a prediction envelope. Is there anything else in there? Um, and there's a Discover Magic Presents Secret Safari, the classic oh. card trick with an animal twist. Yes, that is one of the tricks that we teach at, uh, at Discover Magic. Uh, go ahead and put that aside. You're okay. welcome to read the directions there and, and do the trick for whoever you like. Very <laughs> That cool. has absolutely Very nothing cool. to do with what we're doing there now. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> All right, now let's go back to your calculations. You have some sort of a sum, right? Don't tell me what it is, but you have some sort of a sum. Correct. At the very bottom. All yes. right, take the Stephen King book. Okay. Open it to the page uh, of the sum. For example, if your sum is 750, go to page 750. Okay. Okay. I've done it. Now, you'll notice, if I remember, Stephen King, he writes in, in like big blocks. Like, like there's a big block of writing on that yes. page, right? Yes. Probably on all the pages, as a matter of fact. Um, what I'd like you to do is go ahead and choose two of the corners, like top two corners, bottom two corners, left two corners of that big block. Just go ahead and tell me which ones. And what's, what's going to happen is I'm going to eliminate one of those corners. Go ahead. So of the page, I'm going to make sure I understand you. And so like, like at the bottom right or the bottom left or. Yeah, whatever you want. Just name two of them. Two corners. So when you say name the corners, like bottom. I'm saying say, say like the top two corners or the bottom two corners or. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> There's only four corners. <laughs> The top two corners, top two corners. Yeah, top two corners. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your pencil and eliminate the left corner. Eliminate the left corner of the writing. Just to put a little X on it or something. Okay. Okay, now I'm going to pick two corners, and then you're going to eliminate one of them. All right. I'm going to say the bottom two corners. Okay. The bottom. Okay, so what I want you to do is go ahead and tell me which one. Okay, so the, eliminate the bottom right. Uh, okay, bo eliminate the bottom right. Okay, now if I remember, let's see. So there are probably two corners left, right? Correct. 
the bottom, what is it? Bottom left and upper uh, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, go ahead and, well, you choose those two. <laughs> go ahead and choose. Choose two corners. So you want me to take the bottom, the, the bottom left and the top right? <laughs> Just okay, say that's a good idea. Let's eliminate the bottom left. Okay. So the only one left is the top right. Is that Co right? Correct. Okay. Uh, I want you to go ahead and circle that corner. Okay. Now, in that corner, there, there's probably a word in that corner. And I want you to tell, uh, you went ahead and circle it. Now, in the very, very corner, I don't know if it's in the middle of the sentence, top of the, the beginning of the sentence, end of the sentence, at the very, very corner, there's a word. Tell us for the first time what that word is. So it would be the, the word that's right there at that corner? Right. Spur? Is that the word? Yes, spur. S-P-U-R. S-P-U-R. Okay. Go ahead and open that prediction envelope. And tell us what you're doing while you're doing it. I'm opening the envelope. It says <laughs> prediction. <laughs> okay. Okay. What does it say? What does it say? Okay, this this is it says spur. <laughs> and I'm showing it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How in the world did you what the heck? <laughs> that is my prediction. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I read your mind. Ooh, this is scary stuff. And now I'm worried because you're gonna send this clown after me, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh my gosh. How did you ay ay ay? Wow. <laughs> I don't know what to say because I, yeah, the whole time I'm worried, I have totally, you know, and it's, oh my gosh. It's, I mean, my numbers are so stupidly random I, that I chose. That's cool. Thank John, that, that's amazing. That's, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. I almost forgot. I'm like, I can't have silence here. That's good. <laughs> oh, cool. That is so cool. Isn't that fun? That is not one I teach in the class. That's one I, I, I uh, created for this particular uh, medium for this podcast. So we have to, knowing that, that we're doing virtual and we're doing podcasts and things, we have to create magic to, to match that medium. That's awesome. I got to tell you, if everyone who's listening right now, first of all, I mean, when he told me, he goes, I'm going to do a magic trick on the show. He said, I'm going to send you a box. Tell me where to send it to. And I did. And he said, but you can't open it. And sure enough, you know, it arrived. I said, I promise I won't open it. I told everybody at the house. They said, there's a box going to come and it has a sticker on it. it says, don't open, don't open it. All right. It's not. <laughs> and they all said, fine, we won't open it. And, and uh, so I haven't opened it. I stuck it away so that I wouldn't even be tempted to. And wow, this is cool. And thank you. What a <laughs> That, that is awesome, John. That is awesome. You know awesome. what? If you stick around after we get off, I'll, I'll show you a trick that you can do with all your friends. That would be cool. Very cool. It, it is very cool. Oh, my gosh. I'm, gonna, I'm like on another planet right now. How? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> okay. So now I'm not going <laughs> to. So back to the show. Yeah. The, back to the show. John, that was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so if someone wanted to learn more, where would you send them? Well, <laughs> I would send them to my website, schoolofastonishment.com. And like I said, if, if you're a teacher and you want a good opening for your, your class or some sort of speech you're doing, I'll be happy to. If I have, I don't know, five or 10 teachers, I'll create a specialized uh, class for that. Absolutely. So go to schoolofastonishment.com. You can register there.
Very cool. And I'll have that in the show notes. And uh, so make sure you go check that out. And, and so, John, I have two last questions I want to ask you that have nothing to do with your, your performance or, uh, or the things that you do. But I like to ask these questions. So here goes the first one, because I think you got a good one that goes with this. Um, when life gets tough and you start getting so much stuff thrown at you that you may want to quit, how do you keep going? Yeah. Um, you know, this has happened to all of us. And, and you've heard my story. So, you know, that happens to me. Um, I would say two different things. First, first, uh, have an attitude of gratitude. You know, if, if you were to look around yourself any day that you wake up, you look around, you say, well, I have a roof over my head. I have food in my belly and there are many things you can be thankful for. And one of the things I do is I have something called a jar of good. And right before I go to bed every night, I try to think throughout the day, what good things have happened during the day? Well, I did this really cool podcast and I had a lot of fun. And I write down on a piece of paper uh, what good things happened during the day. And then I put them in my jar of good. Now, a lot of people say, well, 2020 is horrible, horrible. Well, I look at my jar of good and I have it's full. It's full of little pieces of paper. And then at the end of the year, I take the lid off that and I read through every single piece of paper. So that way at the end of the year, I go, well, you know what? A lot of really good things happened in 2020. <laughs> as strange as that may sound. Um, so that, that's, that's one way of doing it. Also doing something you love, you know, teaching, doing magic, whatever it is that you love that gets you out of, uh, out of bed in the morning. That's cool. <laughs> I love that advice. I love it. Thanks. Uh, thank you so much. And, and last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Oh, um, yeah, I have, I have two. Yeah, I think I have two. The first one was uh, a swim coach of mine, not even necessarily a teacher, I mean, kind of a teacher, but in a roundabout way. Uh, I was a nationally ranked swimmer from ages I don't know, six to 14 or something. Anyway, he was my coach from ages five to 12 and he ended up passing away, but he taught me the, the benefits of, of hard work and, and discipline. Uh, so he was probably the first one. And then I think the second one was a lady by the name of Roberta Feldner Stewart, who was an acting teacher of mine. And she taught me that everything you need to do in performance must be honest and truthful. So I think if you go along your life, working hard, being disciplined, being honest and being truthful, you really can't go wrong. So awesome. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, John, this was, this was awesome. This show is just I, talking with you and your magic trick and Oh, just every bit of it to the advice. I mean, I just, uh, this has been great. I, I'm so thankful I've had a chance to talk with you and get to know you. And, and, and I've been looking forward to talking with you since we connected. What a wonderful world you created with, with your assemblies and the online world. And, and I hope that soon we're out of this so you can get back into that, uh, that, that onstage world. But I got to tell you, the, the impact you're going to make just on online is, is so cool with your advice there. You know, everyone, you got to go visit his website, Amazing School Assemblies and School of Astonishment. Don't forget schoolofastonishment.com and go in there and uh, check out the, the magic that, uh, remember what he said, it, it may be for kids, but he'll figure out how to teach you something too. So uh, that, that'd be good as an adult. So, you know, John, keep on doing what you're doing. I wish you the best and thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here.
Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.